Hello, you're listening to EG Property Podcast with Sarah Jackman. Today we have episode two of our new monthly podcast series, In On The Act, in which I discuss a legislative topic with a member of Falcon Chambers. In our inaugural podcast, I was joined by joint head of Falcon Chambers and longtime EG economist Guy Featherston Hall QC to discuss the Commercial Rents Coronavirus Act. Today, I have Barrister Martin Trey on the podcast for a look at the new Economic Crime Transparency and Enforcement Act 2022, which received royal assent on 15th of March and, amongst other things, brings into force a new register of overseas entities and their beneficial owners. Martin, many thanks for joining me today. Um, it's a bit of a mouthful to get through the entire act, but um, I think I've got there. Um, we're, we're discussing um, the new Economic Crime Act today. Um, it's a wide ranging act, but just for the purposes of this podcast, um, we're going to be focusing um, primarily on the parts that affect real estate. Um, just taking a little step back, though, Perhaps you could start just by explaining to our listeners the rationale behind the new Act. Yes, of course. Uh, Hello, Sarah, and thank you for inviting me uh, and welcome to our listeners. Uh, Well, the clue really, I think, is in the title. As you say, it's a bit wordy, um, but I would focus on the word uh, transparency. Uh, The object of this legislation is to require overseas owners of UK property to reveal their identities, to throw light on exactly who owns and controls land in this country and to reveal really who is behind ownership of the wealth uh, that potentially funds, in some cases, criminal activity. Okay, so that's the aim behind it. Tell me a little bit about what the Act actually does to try and put that into place. Yes, well, broadly, the Act is going to work like this. Uh, It applies to overseas entities who hold uh, what are defined as qualifying estates. Now, taking those two things in turn, what is an overseas entity? Well, that's basically what it says on the tin. It's any legal entity governed by non-UK law, which is a legal person under that local law. So that's overseas bodies. And as for qualifying estates, which they must hold, that means, stripped to its essentials, a freehold estate in uh, UK land or at least for more than seven years. So it's the two principal estates in land which are subject to registration in this country. And if an overseas body, therefore, owns uh, such a, a land interest, they will be subject to the Act. That then leads on, of course, to, well, what do they then have to do? As you mentioned, Sarah, in your introduction, this new 2022 Act introduces a register for overseas entities. That register is going to be held and maintained by companies' hats. And it's going to mirror uh, a not dissimilar register that already applies to UK entities. So to some extent, therefore, we're creating a level playing field. In summary, what is going to be required is that overseas entities holding, as I've mentioned, qualifying estates will have to register their details and, more importantly, the details of their beneficial owners at Companies House on the new register. So you might ask, well, who are the beneficial owners for this purpose? That leads us on to the next train of definitions. Beneficial owners 
mean in a nutshell those who have a significant stake in or wield significant control over the relevant entity. The various limbs uh, are set out in the legislation and they encompass those who own more than 25% of the company's shares, those who have more than 25% of the voting rights, or those who have the power to appoint or remove a majority of the board of directors, or um, just to show how compendious this catch-all, this definition is, those who exercise um, uh, either as a matter of law or in fact significant influence or control over the entity. So it's really a case of um, catching uh, and requiring provision of details about all the movers and shakers behind these overseas bodies holding UK land. And the information that is going to have to then be divulged about these people is comprehensive, chapter and verse. It's names, nationalities, addresses, dates of birth and the like. Uh, and the register is going to be, uh, as I men mentioned, maintained by Companies House, uh, but open to the public. I understand free of charge because this is all part of shining a torch on the ownership of UK land by these overseas bodies. And if you think that that was enough to be going on with, it's also worth just noting that uh, there will be an annual updating process which is going to be required. So it's not a, a one time only exercise. The bodies must show that the information is routinely kept uh, up to date. OK, um, you, you obviously go into some detail there about this new register um, it's a concept that's been mooted, I know, for several years now. Why in particular is it coming into force now? Why, why has it suddenly um, been brought forward onto the statute books? Well, I don't think it was any um, uh, surprise uh, that it was accelerated um, with uh, events in uh, Russia and Ukraine. Um, this has uh, been a topic um, which has been uh, on the parliamentary agenda, as you mentioned, Sarah, for some time now. I believe from recollection it was first mooted, I think, by the coalition government in or around 2016. Um, but uh, often the wills of parliamentary business grind slow. Uh, but um, when there is a political imperative to uh, show that uh, a country is tightening up its act, uh, then uh, matters can proceed with greater pace. And that is what seems to have happened here. Uh, the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine has provided the impetus to uh, get this statute on the book. Yeah. You've touched on what overseas entities caught by the Act um, will be required to do. Tell me a little bit about the exceptions that exist to those rules. I know that there are some. Well, the exceptions are uh, there, but I suggest they're likely to be very narrow um, and not therefore provide too much of a chink in the general armour of the statute. The Secretary of State is given the power to grant exceptions uh, from the registration requirements. Um, but when one reads into the Act, that power of exemption is available only in limited narrow cases, for example, national interest. Uh, and therefore, I think we can work uh, on a uh, premise that to all intents and purposes, uh, the net is cast wide 
and is unlikely to be trimmed um, uh, to, to narrow its reach. Yeah. Tell me a little bit then about what will happen for those people failing to comply? Well, this is where for uh, property lawyers, uh, the uh, new act is very interesting and significant uh, because it uh, focuses directly on issues of land registration. Uh, the details in Schedule 3 to the new act, uh, which is when in force, will introduce the new Schedule 4A into the Land Registration Act. 2002. And all these provisions are basically anti-avoidance provisions uh, designed to uh, catch those who might otherwise not feel particularly uh, inclined to sign up to the company's house register of overseas entities. And there are three main limbs of these anti-avoidance provisions um, which are going to be of uh, importance in practice. Uh, the first limb, Sarah, is that no application uh, can be made to Land Registry to register an overseas entity as the proprietor of a freehold or a long lease unless that overseas entity is registered on the new company's house register or is itself exempt. So that means that a non-compliant overseas entity will simply not be able to get its title registered at Land Registry. So that's a fairly uh, significant consequence for the failure to comply with the new regime. It goes further. Uh, the second and a fundamental pillar uh, of the new uh, regime and its enforcement is that Land Registry itself is charged with entering a restriction on the title of any qualifying estate held by an overseas entity, which was acquired by that entity since 1999. So in that way, the new act is retrospective. It's not just going to apply to overseas entities which acquire UK land in the future. It catches all the many which already have land on their books and have so acquired that land within the last two decades. And with limited qualifications, the form of the restriction which land registry will be uh, bound to enter on the register uh, and will do so automatically is one which will prohibit the future registration of any transfers, grants of registrable leases and charges and mortgages unless at the time of the transaction the selling overseas entity can show that it was registered at company's house or exempt. So what this particular restriction means is that non-compliant overseas entities will now be unable to offload and deal with their UK land. The land is effectively going to be sterilised unless and until they come on to the company's house register. And the third of the trio of restrictions captures what we can perhaps call, Sarah, off-register dealings. Uh, to explain that, imagine that an overseas entity has acquired a qualifying estate in land um, and does so in the future, um, when the act is in force. But well, the overseas entity might decide 
not to bother getting itself registered at land registry, merely owning the property in equity, but leaving the legal title remaining uh, registered in the name of its seller. Now, it might take that course because it had chosen not to get registered on the company's house register of overseas entities. And if it weren't for this third restriction, the overseas entity could sidestep the new act because as a party entitled to be registered at Lamrestry, it could then potentially offload the property later down the line and flip it to a third party, which itself, if not, not an overseas entity, could then apply to be registered, uh, effectively bypassing any registration of the overseas entity in the meantime. But that's where this third restriction comes into play. What it says is that if an overseas entity is entitled to be registered as the proprietor of a freehold or a registered lease, then if that entity itself makes a transfer, grants a lease or a mortgage or charge of its land, then the disposition may not be registered unless at the time of the transaction, once again, the company was registered on the new company's house register or otherwise exempt. So this particular prohibition catches a purchaser from the overseas entity. That purchaser will find that they can't get themselves registered unless the overseas entities, um, the overseas uh, entities affairs were in order at the time of the transaction. Uh, so a quick summary, really, of those three links putting them together, and perhaps the biggest takeaway from this podcast is that a failure by an overseas entity to comply with the new act is effectively going to prevent it from registering, selling, leasing or charging its property. Its property will essentially be frozen. Yeah. And I guess the other point um, for people to note is that any failures to register under the new legislation will be regarded as a criminal offence. Um, and that catches both the overseas entity itself and those who facilitate um, the non-registration, um, perhaps even inadvertently. Can you tell us a little bit about what's been prescribed there by way of penalty? Yes. Uh, as you've mentioned, um, if the direct land registration consequences weren't severe enough, there is this important criminal side to, to matters. The Act is uh, full of criminal sanctions. And uh, as an example, uh, if an overseas entity makes a registrable disposition uh, which would be precluded um, because uh, it is not um, registered when it ought to be at company's house on the new register, then the company and its officers will commit a criminal offence. And as you mentioned, Sarah, the potential is that those who are involved and have aided and abetted may also potentially fill the long arm of the law. And the punishments are not insignificant on uh, conviction or on indictment for the type of offence I've mentioned, there's a maximum of five years imprisonment, a fine or both. So one may suggest that that's likely to be a reasonably good incentive for compliance 
at least for anyone who is susceptible to the UK jurisdictions. Um, one thing um, that I don't think we have yet is a commencement date for the Act. Um, have you heard anything contrary to that? No, I haven't. Um, uh, so far as I'm aware, we're still waiting on that. Um, part two of the Act, um, which deals with unexplained wealth orders, uh, was brought into force on the 15th of uh, this month. Uh, but uh, as regards part one, uh, which has the main property focus that we're uh, interested in and the amendments to the Land Registration Act, that's still um, something for the future. Personally, I wouldn't anticipate an especially uh, long uh, wait uh, because, as we've already touched on, I think the political will is to get the new regime in place sooner rather than later. But, of course, one must be conscious of the fact that company's house will need to be geared up uh, to be able to implement the new register uh, and Lamb Street will have a lot of work to do to put these restrictions on the many titles uh, uh, that have been uh, generated in favour of um, overseas entities in the last two decades. So for anyone um, who's potentially caught by the legislation or is perhaps acting on behalf of someone who's potentially caught by it, um, what should they be doing now in preparation for part one coming into force? Well, in terms of activity before the Act comes into force, uh, it's the focus will be, uh, I suggest, for those who are acting for overseas entities, um, because, of course, they are directly in the uh, focus of the Act. They, uh, the advisors in that context will need to check um, if an overseas entity um, owns a qualifying estate as uh, defined in the Act. In other words, there will need to be a review of the portfolio of land holdings uh, held by that entity. If the entity does own relevant freeholds or registered leases, uh, then the next step will of course be to assemble all the information that will be required in order to present to Companies House full details of all the registrable beneficial owners. That's a case really, Sarah, of knowing your client, which has long been required, uh, but now becomes especially important. The um, advisors will then need to, uh, when the Act does come into place, effect a timely registration with Companies House of their client's details and those of its beneficial owners within a six month transitional period, a window of grace that is being given, um, lest um, otherwise penalties would be uh, incurred after that. And then, of course, there's almost the sort of need to diarise the ongoing annual updating duty if the retainer uh, for the client is uh, one that uh, uh, lasts uh, for more than a one-off transaction. Uh, then, of course, uh, once the Act is in place, um, uh, measures will need to be given to attention needs to be given to uh, the position when selling um, uh, qualifying estates or when purchasing them to ensure that the company is compliant um, before the transaction in question, again, to avoid uh, inadvertent criminal offences being committed. And having looked in some detail at the legislation, 
Have you picked up on any particularly um, tricky points that advisors really need to be thinking about or, or that they might perhaps not have considered? I think the the main th- um, learning point will be that uh, a much higher degree of uh, due diligence uh, is likely to be required, uh, especially when transacting with overseas companies. There are going to be uh, material uh, additional burdens uh, to ensure that everything, Sarah, is in order. I have in mind uh, the fact that uh, if you are dealing with an overseas company, you will need to satisfy yourself on behalf of your client, the purchaser from such a company, that the overseas entity is registered at company's house and that it has complied with its annual reporting duties because failure to take those steps will have the critical consequence that your client will in turn not be able to be registered for their purchase and you or they or both may become unwitting accomplices in criminal offences affected predominantly by the overseas entity but nonetheless with which you are bound up Uh, and this will apply um, in a not dissimilar fashion if instead of affecting a property purchase in its own right, you are acquiring by means of a share sale the overseas entity company itself. And just as a final question, um, having looked at the Act um, and and compared that, I guess, with, with its original aims, do you think it will be effective? Well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see, uh, is a lawyer's answer. Uh, But uh, to venture an opinion, I think it probably will. It has a lot of teeth, uh, both in the form of the land registration consequences and the uh, criminal penalties on top. And whilst uh, there may be a few holes here and there, there's no reason to think that those will be particularly large, nor that they uh, may not be plugged down the line. So my take, Sarah, is that I expect this act to be pretty effective. But to that, I add one um, qualification, which is um, significant as this legislation is, uh, it may end up um, being perhaps slightly uh, irrelevant if part nine of the levelling up and regeneration bill, uh, which is presently before Parliament, comes into force. Uh, Because if enacted, that uh, particular uh, draft legislation would allow the Secretary of State to make regulations requiring anyone, not just overseas entities, to provide all sorts of information about land interests and rights, not limited to freehold and leasehold interests, but in covering such matters as covenants, easements and options, and including far more detail, in fact, than the uh, is required by the Act, uh, the Economic Crime Act, including such matters as the terms of the transaction, the lawyers involved and the source of money paid. Uh, and it is intended, uh, though the uh, detail remains to be seen in uh, any regulations uh, down the line, that failure to comply with the Leveling Up Act, if it became such, uh, would be a criminal offence. And similarly, uh, that uh, there will be amendments to the Land Registration Act to enforce compliance uh, through the medium of uh, land registry restrictions. So one can see that uh, the, the mood music 
that is uh, um, broadcast by the Economic Crime Act may only be a taste of uh, wider things yet to come. Martin, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts on the new act with us today. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for having me, Sarah. That was in on the act from EG with Sarah Jackman. For more on the Economic Crime Transparency and Enforcement Act 2022, see the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.